over the last three weeks, we've explored the hope of Advent. We discovered in the story of the wise men the principles of finding hope. Do you remember? We examined the stress that people are under during the Christmas season as we considered forgotten hope. And in the beautiful story of Simeon, we saw fulfilled hope. Somebody say fulfilled. Fulfilled hope as that man held the promise of Israel in his arms. The hope of Israel. The one they had been waiting for. As we complete this series this morning, I would like us to consider the concept of future hope future hope. In our first message a few weeks ago, we defined the word hope as a feeling of expectation and a desire for certain things to happen. We stated that the very nature of people is to try to find a reason to look forward. We, we try to look forward to days to come of of health, the love of friends and family, and protection and provision. We try to peer into the future to see what's in store, don't we? We, we seek and we listen to all kinds of, of sources of information. We we listen to all kinds of advisors so that we can look ahead with, with a sense of positive things to come. It's in our very nature. Through the centuries, people have turned to all kinds of methods to try to determine what the future is going to look like. You see, hope looks forward. Say that. Hope looks forward. Hope brings anticipation. It's our reason to live with expectancy. To believe that there are good things ahead. Hope looks ahead. In the Advent narrative, we get glimpses of future hope. Hope from generation to generation. In the Luke 2 passage, beginning in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You remember? But the angel said to them, Do not, what? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And verse 13 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace goodwill on those to whom his favor rests. 
First of all, we see that the angel said, do not be afraid. That in itself looks forward, doesn't it? Because, because lots of people look ahead in fear. Lots of people look to forward days and coming days, not with hope, not with joyful anticipation. People, many people do not look at the days ahead with confidence and with joyful expectation. They look forward with fear. They look ahead with fear. So from the very start, the angels proclaimed, don't be afraid. Somebody say, don't be afraid. Friend, you don't need to look forward in fear. You don't need to look forward in dread. You don't need to look forward um, in, a, in a way that you don't want to move to the next day, the next month, and the next year. Because God says, don't be afraid. The angels proclaimed good news to all the people. Somebody say all. all. Good news to all the people. And peace on those whom his favor rests. You see, peace came to earth that day. And it was not just for the chosen of Israel. It was to all the people. The word all points us, say us, points us to a bright future. The coming of Jesus was not just for a chosen few, but it was for all mankind. That fact has brought future hope to countless numbers of people down through the centuries, hasn't it? That fact brings future hope to you and future hope to me. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Guess who was once far away? <laughs> Back in that day, the Gentile nations were far away. Israel was God's chosen. They were the people in whom the word of God rested. They were the people who sought to follow the true God. And the Gentile nations, as we read their history, were all over the place. We talked in our, in our, in our uh, first message about, about the wise men, and they were probably from a Gentile nation, and yet they had gotten ear somehow that something special was happening in Israel, in Bethlehem. Where, where there was no hope, there is now hope. Where, where there was no peace, there is now everlasting peace. Where there was no future, there is now a future. The passage we studied last week gives us another glimpse of future hope. Simeon's, remember our man Simeon last week? Simeon's declaration in Luke 2.29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon had found peace, as we recall. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all nations. Somebody say all nations. Hallelujah. A light for revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Rabbit trail. <laughs> glory is a neat word. When you hear the word glory, I want you to think of a drive-in movie theater. Listen, glory is God's character on display. It's, it, it, it's, like, it's like putting up who God is on one of those big outdoor screens that you can see from, from miles away. That is glory. And the glory of Israel, the promised glory of Israel, is this baby in a manger. Now, the risen, victorious Lord. Rabbit trail over. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory, you see the movie theater? And the glory of Israel, the glory of your people Israel. Simeon describes this future hope as being prepared in the sight of all nations. God had prepared salvation for all nations. What a hope the world has in Jesus. Yes. I said, what a hope the world has in Jesus. So, for the Christian, why is our future filled with hope? For the Christian, why is our future filled with hope? That's the question I want to explore this morning future hope number one the Christian can see hope in the future because we see a history a track record of God's faithfulness you got me there Mike thank you we got to work on the tech you guys always always <laughs> never never fails it's 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 right here The Christian can see hope in the future because we see a history, a track record of God's faithfulness. We could stop there, but I'm not going to. You see, the very birth of the Christ child is evidence that God keeps his promises. God does what he says he is going to do. We've talked about that in this series we spoke last Sunday about the faithfulness of God being one of his identifying attributes. Scripture is chock full of examples of our God being faithful to what he said was going to transpire. Here are just a few examples of how God was faithful to his people Israel. God demonstrated his faithfulness to Noah, God said he would save Noah and his family, and he did. God demonstrated his faithfulness to Noah. 
God demonstrated his faithfulness to Moses. To Moses. God told Moses that if his people were faithful and they followed him, that he would save his people from slavery in Egypt. And he... Come on. And he did. God demonstrated his faithfulness to Joshua. God said that he would continue to lead his people through Joshua. He put his anointing on the man Joshua and he said, you will continue to lead and guide and be victorious for my people. He made a promise to Joshua and he did. And maybe one of the most significant that I love in the Old Testament is that God demonstrated his faithfulness to Jacob who was later named Israel. He, God demonstrated his faithfulness in his consistency in the truth of his covenant to his people. Say covenant. Covenant. Covenant is a one-way agreement. It is God saying, here's the way it is. Here, here, here's the way it's going to work, brother dude. Here's the way it's going to work. I, I make my covenant with my people. I promise to you to be faithful and to lead you and to guide you and to provide for you. And God did and God does. And he reaffirmed that covenant to Jacob. And most importantly, there are many others, by the way. We could spend a few days in the Old Testament seeing God's faithfulness to his people, amen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we could spend a, a fair amount of time looking at the faithfulness of Jehovah God to the people of Israel in what we now call the Old Testament. Most importantly, God fulfilled all that he had promised to Israel and the whole world in the arrival of his promised son, Jesus, whose holy birth we celebrate at this time of the year. I said that we can, we can be confident of, God's, of, of our future in God because we see his track record. A track record tells us a lot about someone, doesn't it? An, an athlete is valued and drafted and put into positions because of their history of achievements on the field of play. They look at an athlete's track record. A student graduates and, and interviews and, and interns and is hired because of his or her academic history of academic accomplishment. They look at a student's track record before they hire them. Anybody in HR? I'm sorry if you are. Dare I say that a politician usually is elected because of their track record of legislative victories. Those of you who weren't here the first week, I'm glad this is here to hide behind. God's track record is perfect. Now, I want you to think about that. 
I, I don't want you to gloss over that. I don't, want, I don't want this to be flyover territory. God's track record, the history that we can look at of God's faithfulness is a perfect record. The best hitters in baseball hit under 500. God's track record is 1,000. A, a, a basketball player shooting free throws a good one is what? Basketball fans, 70, 80%? Is 80% a good free throw record? God's track record is 100%. And they're all swishes. They don't even hit the rim. They're boom. God's track record is perfect. Every time he put plans in motion... They are righteous and loving and just. Friend, let me tell you about our God. Our God is holy. Our God is all loving. Our, our God is infinitely merciful. My, our, our God is the uncreated creator and he is ever present in our lives. Our God is all knowing and completely just. He is completely faithful and unchanging. Therefore, say therefore, rabbit trail. There are some biblical words that form little bridges. Therefore is one of them. All right? When you read the word therefore, you take what you just read and you go, it's going to connect me to what I'm about to read. All right? Say therefore. <laughs> Therefore, with his perfect track record of achievement in the past, you can trust this God for your future. And you can trust his son Jesus, who God sent in the form of a baby, born of a young virgin girl, who lived a perfect life, died a cruel death on a Roman cross, rose again three days later, conquering death forever for those who are saved by his merciful, loving grace. You can trust him. You can look forward to the future and trust him because he's got a pretty good track record. Yes, amen. Secondly, Christians can see hope in the future because of what Jesus himself said. Because of what Jesus himself said. As God the Father is completely faithful to what he has promised, so too is his son Jesus, ever faithful, ever truthful in his promises to his children. Here are some promises from the lips of Jesus that we can absolutely bank on. Red letter words, folks. You all know what red letter words are? You ever have one of those? I still got... I, I got a King James Bible at home, brother, that, that has red letters. Has red letters. That's a little like the. It's a little like the movie screen. Those, those, those words jump out, don't they? Where'd the kid? That kid's left. Because the first verse that I had pointed out of the red letters was, of course, John three sixteen. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever, say whoever, whoever. believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I, and I extended it one more verse. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Red letter words. You can bank on them. Matthew 28, beginning in 16. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You can bank on it. Jesus said he will be with us always to the end of the age. Say always. always. Bank on it. We can be confident of our future because of these things that Jesus said, his very words. In John 14, beginning in 12, he teaches us that he will answer our prayers. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things in these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Bank on it. Matthew 17 teaches us that nothing is impossible if we have faith. Starting in 20, the words of Jesus, the red letter words, say, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Y'all like the Mission Impossible movies? Remember the old Mission Impossible TV show? dating myself here. These missions were not impossible, were they? Because we find out that the hero of the show always what? Always, always wins out in the end. You see, our God always keeps what he says he is going to do and does it. And I think we can trust the red letter words Amen. to do what Jesus says he is going to do. Nothing will be impossible with faith. How's your faith, kids? Amen. How you doing? How you doing? We're going to talk about faith in a few minutes. We, we've, we've talked for a couple of weeks on hope, and, and I haven't gone down the trail of, of, of faith. Faith is, is kind of hope in action. One more or two, or three, out of the red-letter words of Jesus, you can have true freedom through Jesus Christ. John 8, 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth, remember this great verse, 
and the truth will set you free. They answered him and they said, We are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, in, the King, in your King James, remember what it says here? It says, Verily, verily. <laughs> I always liked that. Never could pronounce it as a kid. Verily, verily. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Bank on it. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this in the red letters, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. Hold it. There's that word glory. Movie screen. My Father's glory. The display. My Father will be on display when you do the things of the will of God. That's powerful. This is to my Father's glory that, that you bear much fruit showing yourselves, displaying yourselves, being Jesus in our world on display if you show yourselves to be my disciples. Bank on it. I like this one. John 14 teaches us that he is preparing a place for us in heaven. John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. The KJV says mansions. If that were not so, what have I told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. The red letter words of Jesus promise us a place with him for eternity. Eternity has begun. We're walking in eternity. We are already in the presence of our Savior. And He lives in us by His Spirit. So eternity is not something that starts when they plop you in a casket. Eternity is something that has begun in the children of God who are walking in His kingdom and starting already. You've started into the kingdom of God. You've started into eternity, my friend. This is not an exhaustive list of the wonderful promises spoken by Jesus. It's just a glimpse. Friend, Jesus Himself set forth a bright future for you. I said, Jesus himself set forth a bright future for you and me as he spoke promises. Amen. Thirdly, the Christian can look forward to a bright future because 
of what we read in the writings of the apostles, especially the Apostle Paul. You see, like a preacher expounding upon the truths in the Word, Paul in his writings explains and applies to our lives the truths of the good news, the gospel. The, the apostle in his writings points us to a bright future filled with hope. These are not red letter words, they're Paul letter words. In Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, remember this famous scripture, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to look at what? To look at what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. From the lips of Paul, striving forward, Paul saw a bright future. He certainly had his issues in this world, didn't he? He certainly walked through difficult times. He, he certainly uh, endured persecution and, and, and disease and even, and, and even death. But he pressed forward because what? Because God had shown him something out ahead in his future. And, and although he never laid eyes on, on, on the baby Jesus or the young man Jesus or, or, and although Paul did not stand at the foot of the cross Jesus had planted in Paul such incredible uh, uh, knowledge of the truth of the gospel that he could explain some things to us I like thank you Jesus that you put Paul in place Huh? Huh? So that you might so that you might be able to explain a few things so that in our limited understanding we might have full understanding. I love Hebrews eleven. There's a little debate on who wrote Hebrews because of much of the language, I believe it was Paul. In the Hebrews eleven passage it, it is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. You remember that, that wonderful passage? And in, verse, and in verse 1 of chapter 11, it said, Now faith, I told you we were going to talk about faith a little bit. Now faith is confidence. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. <laughs> An assurance of what we do not see. This is what all these people in the Old Testament were commended for. This is what the members of the Hall of Fame of Faith were commended for, were, were approved by God because, because they had a 
faith, a hope, a confidence in what was out ahead. Although they did not see it. Moses never saw it. Abraham never saw it. Joshua never saw it. But, but, but implanted in their lives, in this knowledge of God, was the ability to know that out ahead there is something great. God has my future in his hands. You remember the story of Abraham? God said to Abraham, go. Abraham said, where? God said, I'll tell you later. <laughs> what did Abraham do? He went. Because, because he believed that if God was in it, it was good for me. If God was in it, it was for my good. Moses stood at the shore of the Red Sea and God said, go. And he said, huh? You know? And what did they do? I, I, rabbit trail. When they stepped into the water, the seas had not yet parted. God, God wanted to see that there was faith in action. God wanted to see that, that Moses would take that staff and he would strike it. Because if he kind of just stood there waiting for God to do something, God was going to just kind of stand there waiting for him to move in faith. <laughs> Rabbit trail over. You see, that verse says faith is confident in what we hope for and it is assurance of what we do not see. And then what follows in Hebrews is this list of, of many of those heroes of the faith. And then the end of the chapter in verse 39, I want you to grab this. I want you to get a hold of this this morning. These were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what was promised. Wow. That almost doesn't seem fair, does it? They were commended for their faith, you see, since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us they would be made perfect. God saw out ahead. They had confidence in out ahead. They had assurance in what was out ahead, but they, they, they never saw it. <laughs> you see, there is something better that God has planned for us. Better than Abraham. Better than Joseph, better than Jacob, better than David. God had planned something better for us. Say something better. The future hope that we all have is in the baby in the manger of Bethlehem. And because he is now the victorious risen Savior, we have the ultimate future hope. The hope of eternal life with him. My friend, you can trust him with your future. I want to look over at the Apostle Peter for a moment. Peter, right in chapter 1, says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance now get this, now catch this and into an inheritance that can never perish 
spoil or fade, your future is bright, my friend. This, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Somebody say revealed. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and trials, which we do, don't we? These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, whew, mouthful, big stuff right there, the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, and here's that word, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Oh, I hope everybody heard that. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. Future hope is the end result of the faith that you are walking now. And we saw in the life of Simeon that fulfilled hope brings what? Do you remember? It brings peace. I have a question this morning. What are you trusting in for your future? I think we're walking in a society that is grasping for things to get a hold of and trust for their future. And, and I think in many ways they see these things crumbling around them. They, they, see, the, they see the savings account or the 401k or the investments that they were so much trusting in and they're crumbling around them. They see relationships that they had so much trusted in for their long-time future and they're crumbling around them. They, 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 they see all kinds of things that they've rock solid put their trust in, including the dollar bill and the words in God we trust, and that dollar bill. We talked last week about worry and anxiety and frustration. We talked about depression and we talked about how, how people are, are, are struggling and they're, and, they're, and, and they're not finding hope there. They're hopeless. Friend, hope through our faith brings peace. Put your hope in he who has the best track record. Amen. Investment bankers like to tell you that in the long term, the stock market has a great track record. Tell the people in the 1930s that. 
There are all kinds of things we can put our future hope in. If you haven't grasped the peace that comes with future hope that is solidly anchored in God, I beg you, I implore you, I ask you to consider that. Jesus said one man built his house on the sand. When the storms of life come, if we're anchored in sand, we're going to be uprooted. Our, our very foundations will be, will be washed away and, and, and then we will find ourselves flailing around in a, in a sea of of worldly consequences and we won't know where we're going to land if we build our house on sand. But if we build our house on the rock, if we, if we anchor our foundation on the rock that is Jesus, it will withstand the storms. <laughs> And I like to think that if you peek in the window of the house that is on the rock, that you'll see him there with you. Because remember what he said in this earlier passage we read? He said, I will be with you, not, not three days a week. Tell you what, tell you what, give you, give you three, four days a week when I'm Sunday because you're in my house. No, he says always. So he said, all, he said the message is for all the people. The, the hope is secure because of God's track record. And he says, I will be with you always. Trust him, my friend. Trust him. Trust him. What are you walking through? Trust him. He will be with you always. Amen. Amen.